is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Bet Lucas. I have five crazy kids, a full-time career in a mostly male industry, and I've been on a health journey where I've lost over 40 pounds. On this podcast, you will find encouragement for your own unique journey. You'll be provided tools to help you not just survive this life, but thrive in the areas of health, career, and family. So come live your big, bold life with me. Are you ready? I sure am. Hello, and welcome to Living Your Big, Bold Life podcast. I am your host, Bet Lucas. I know today's guest will truly challenge you to think boldly. And this episode is ever, ever so timely. Many of us are now working from home 100% of the time. And many of us are trying to find the best ways to do so. Today's guest is truly an expert in the field of time management and productivity. And she is here to help us navigate successfully while we work from home. Whether you are new to working from home or you have always done so, you will leave this episode with tools and tips to help you on your journey. Maybe you are like me and you really have loved working from home and you want to make sure you are demonstrating to your team and supervisors your ability to not only do it, but do it well, so that you increase the likelihood of working from home more in the future. Laura Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books. Her work has appeared in publications including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. Today, she will share a little bit more about her latest book, The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. Laura Vanderkam is really changing the way people think about working from home. In my opinion, many of us have been trained to believe that working from home means less productivity and is an overall lesser choice to the office setting. However, Laura shares data and a bold perspective in which she proves that employees can be happier, healthier, and more productive when they have a remote work option. I also really appreciated Laura's perspective on evaluating working part-time. And I know some of you are in a tough situation right now because due to virtual schooling and COVID, Some of you are having to evaluate, do I quit my job, do I reduce my hours, or do I stay the course? And I hope on this podcast I share diverse views around this topic. However, I also want to share my personal experience. And my personal experience was when I had just had my son lad and I was returning back to work, the six months post that time were stressful. And I felt a little overwhelmed. He was my fourth child in about five years. And I knew something needed to change. And one of the thoughts I had in the back of my mind was, do I go part-time? Instead, what I did is I just shifted my schedule. And I am not saying that that should be your choice. However, I will say it was the right choice for me. And looking back... If I would have gone part-time then, I would have to be a lot less flexible now. So 
again, I'm not trying to push you to one decision or the other, but I do think that Laura's book, I Know How She Does It, really outlines that sometimes we're too quick to choose a part-time option and we really don't work that much less. In fact, we work pretty similar hours and we just end up reducing our pay. She also highlights that women are really quick to make this choice. However, men are not. So anyways, just something to chew on. Now, let us get to Laura. Welcome, Laura. We are so honored to have you here on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. Laura, I'd like to just get started by saying, what advice and encouragement can you offer the listeners today on working from home and this new dynamic that many people are facing during quarantine and COVID? Yeah. I mean, I think the good news is, well, there's a couple of things. One is that working from home is a skill. So if you find it awkward, if you find it difficult to stay on task or to figure out what you should be doing or when it's okay to stop, these are all things that you will get better at over time. You'll get better at interacting with your colleagues. You'll get better at figuring out new workflows. So think about what's working. Think about how you can do more of that. And I promise you it will get better. But also, I would also want to tell people that especially if you were trying to work from home with very limited childcare, this isn't what working from home needs to look like long-term. One of the bits of advice I always gave people who did want to work from home in the past is that it wasn't exactly a way to save money on childcare. You generally need another adult in charge of young kids during the hours you choose to be working. Of course, a lot of people in a crisis situation have not been able to do that, which makes it a lot harder to work from home. But Certainly over the long run, it can work. And if people get the care that they need and when hopefully schools and daycares go back to normal, it will be a very different situation. And so I think that's important to keep in mind. I love that because I've been getting a lot of questions from listeners about how we are handling childcare. My husband and I both work full time. We have five young kids, 10 and under at home. And we were fortunate that our au pair is living with us and had arrived prior to some of the issues that some of the incoming au pairs hit with the J-1 visa snag. So I've been getting a ton of questions, but what I've also realized is right now, all of our perspectives and needs around childcare are very different. Like I have some people who are like, no, no, we're not letting anyone in our home or, oh, I need more childcare. I never had childcare because I'm an essential worker and normally my child's at school, but they're going to be virtual schooling. It's just such an interesting dynamic. How are you and your husband handling childcare right now? Yeah, well, we have full-time setter who's working actually for longer days. So Monday to Thursday, sort of longer days through dinner and early evening time. And then Fridays, we switch off. I tend to work in the afternoon and he tends to work in the morning. I mean, but as you know, five kids is pretty much <laughs> more than enough to <laughs> occupy one person. So we do both wind up doing a fair amount of during the daycare as well, you know, in the past of like getting kids on Zoom calls, for instance, or doing camp runs, playing with older kids while the sitter deals with the baby, that sort of thing. Well, I have appreciated so much of your wisdom. And my favorite book of yours has been I Know How She Does It. And it really enlightened my career journey to realize that 
a lot of the things that I thought were favors that I was asking from my supervisor or from my company, you really explain how if we as employees are healthier and happier, we're going to be able to give back more, increase profitability, increase efficiencies. And can you elaborate some of maybe how you dispel some of those typical thoughts that working from home is just the lazy route, working from home is less efficient. What are some of the, through your research, you have found that that isn't the case? Yeah, I think this is one of those weird things that people believe. And I know it is what they believe because in the past, if you look at what sort of work from home arrangements tended to get approved, it was almost always somebody who'd been with the company for a few years, often a mom, like it was seen as okay for moms because it's, you know, was associated with like taking your foot off the gas. So it was like put in the same bucket as part-time work, you know, an accommodation for moms. And even then it was almost always Friday. Like it was Friday was the day you could work from home and, and get that approved. Like don't ask for Wednesday. But, and that's because Friday is seen as the least productive day of the week. And so even though you have somebody who's been with the company for years, the assumption is that they're not really working. And so best to minimize the opportunity cost. If you think about it, how ridiculous is this? I mean, so many people have now worked from home for the first time since March. Many people are working longer hours. They're more likely to be working nights and weekends than they were in the past. When you lose the commute, you wind up with several extra hours <laughs> to do more stuff, much of which people fill with work, it turns out. There's always that concern that like, oh, my boss will think I'm watching Netflix if I don't answer email immediately. So people stay tuned in constantly. I think a bigger worry with people working from home is that they'll wind up burned out than that they won't be working at all. So I'm glad that people have started to see this in the past four months, who maybe were not aware of this problem, who were not aware that this was the issue before. But yeah, working from home can definitely be a strategic advantage, both for individuals and for organizations that are smart enough to take advantage of it. For individuals, it's actually a really great way to steward your energy. A commute takes an incredible amount of time and energy to accomplish basically nothing. When you don't have that, you can work longer hours. You can also have more healthy behaviors like exercising more, getting a little bit more sleep. And there's some evidence that, that people do those things. You can work how you work best, right? That's part of being productive. I know that in many of my office jobs, I have spent the entire summer freezing. And that is because the place is way over air conditioned. At home, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I can set, <laughs> set the thermostat exactly where I want it. And as for organizations themselves, you become more nimble. You don't have to lose work days for reasons that aren't really great reasons. I mean, think about sick days. People take sick days when they are sort of feeling okay, but they don't want to expose other people to their germs or they're caring for a moderately sick child, for instance. In many cases, if working from home is part of the norm, those people could at least work 50 to 60% capacity during those days. And how great of an organization to take advantage of that rather than require them to take a sick day that people are then worried about taking sick days and they don't take them. That's kind of the worst of all worlds. When there are snow or highway closures or power outages in headquarters or whatever. There are all sorts of reasons that it might be very difficult for people to come into the office. 
when this pandemic happened, organizations that had made remote work part of the package before were much more equipped to handle it. And whereas others, you know, I talked to some organizations, they're like, we didn't even have laptops for our employees. Like we had to, we had to buy hundreds of laptops overnight, which, you know, March 15 was not a great day to put that order if you wanted to be (laughs) particularly insured of a smooth transition. So you can just be more nimble and able to keep working no matter what comes. I love that. And it's been a really interesting case study for me because in my early career, I did work 100% remote. And then for the last 14 years, I've been in a primarily office-based job, but I travel and I have a lot of customer interfacing. So I am out of the office a decent amount, but I wouldn't call my job working from home. And What I was so grateful for is that with being a mom of five young children, I'm always trying to shift and and figure out the most efficient way. And so a few years ago, I shifted my schedule to Central Standard Time. I started working early and getting off earlier, and that was a, a great thing for me. And then in the last year, I really started working remote one to two days a week. And similar to a story you tell in I Know How She Does It, you explained that it just kind of happened. It wasn't this official proposal that I presented my boss, to be honest. It just kind of naturally started happening and it worked and I was happier and I was feeling like I was accomplishing more and my life did feel not maybe every day balanced, but as you speak about, kind of a weekly balance. But what I've been so grateful for this experience and kind of quarantine is that it kind of showed that my role, even as a vice president of my company, I can work 100% remote and our profitability does not suffer. In fact, we just had one of our best months after a really challenging kind of post-COVID time. And so I'm grateful because we've kind of been convinced the naysayers through this process that, you know what, it can work. And especially for, I know a lot of your audience, it's not all of your audience, but a lot of your audience is kind of a busy mom who's trying to kind of juggle all the things. And I just feel it's so well-timed to now have your new book out. And so I'd love to hear about your new book. Please share with us. Yeah, so I wrote a book that's called The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. And it is aimed at people who are working from home now, either because they had to because of the pandemic or they are choosing to or have been for a long time or would like to. And it describes how to work productively and ambitiously because I truly believe that working from home is not does not mean you're taking your foot off the gas. You can be every bit as driven, but recognize the upsides of having some days that are in the office and some days that are at home, you know, when we get to that hybrid situation that I think will happen moving forward once the pandemic is over. So there's lots of strategies. I interviewed people who've been working from home for years, who are running teams, who are running companies, who have done great things, how they manage their schedules, their tips and tricks, and what the rest of us can learn from that. Hey friends, it's Bet. 
If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guests. So, Laura, do you find people approach you a lot on advice on how to ask their boss from working from home? Or do you find you're just more being asked, Laura, how do I maximize my time when I'm at home? Or do you get both? Well, it depends. Before about March 12th, I got a lot of versions of that first question, right? When it was uh, not as common. And really before about mid-March, there had been some surveys, about a third of American workers had ever worked from home. And then by April 1st, that number had gone up to about 60%. So we're talking a near doubling of the proportion of people who had ever worked from home happened in literally two weeks. In the past, yes, people would say, how do I negotiate with my boss to work from home? Which right there, I mean, the idea of negotiating to work from home implies that you need to give something up to work from home, which again, I I mean, I tend to think it's more productive in many cases to work from home one to two days a week. And your boss should be giving you something (laughs) to get you to go there. But that wasn't the way a lot of people saw it. So, you know, I always talk about, well, you can have the arguments about productivity. You can also ask for a trial period, ask to try it for two months, one day a week. You know, as well as I do, that you need to show that you are moving mountains on that particular day every week and document it. (laughs) so that you can go in and say, look at me, I got stuff done. How about we keep going? But post March 12th or so, somewhere in mid-March, you never get asked that question anymore because so many people had to work from home. It wasn't a matter of requesting it. It was that either you work from home or you don't work. And so in order for businesses and organizations to stay operational, everyone had to figure out how to telecommute. So yeah, now it's way more the second question. How do I manage my time when I'm working from home? How can I manage my employees and make sure I'm still staying connected with them and giving appropriate feedback and setting goals with them when I'm not seeing them? How do we all hold each other accountable? How do we stop work at night? That's a question that um, I'm getting a lot because many people feel guilty if they can still see their laptop and they're not working, even if it happens to be 9 p.m. So, you know, that's a common question. I struggle with that at times, too. And that's been after years of of feeling like I've practiced and had, <laughs> had time to hone that. But I could totally see how people still struggle with that in your book. What do you feel are the top pieces of advice for those who are trying to be as productive and ambitious at home? What are your top pieces of advice you'd like to share today? I suggest that everyone think about their weeks before they're in them and set daily task lists that are both challenging but doable. And the reason to do this is that it allows you to manage yourself and others by task rather than time. And when you're not in an office, you don't have those same group time norms that let you know that, okay, this has been a good day. So you need something else. Like you need something else that says, okay, if I get through these five things, I will have knocked this day out of the park. 
And so figure out what those five things are. And you do those five things today, maybe do another four things tomorrow, another, you know, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's been a great week. And you can all hold each other accountable for that and for that sense of progress and getting things done. I remind people that they can definitely still build a big network when they're working from home. This is really all about discipline, reaching out to people, making sure that you have conversations with people who are not just your co-workers, but uh, Mm -hmm. people outside your organization as well. And to really think big, you have time to do things when you aren't doing a daily commute. You have the time and energy when you don't have that commute. And you also have the space when you don't have those, again, those same group norms that like, oh, we all, you know, have to talk with each other during these breaks, or we all have to look like we're busy when the boss walks by, or, you know, just these silly little norms that happen in an office. You know, if you want to take a webinar on something that is a useful skill, but does not look like your inbox, like you don't have to ask anyone, you just do it when somebody's not watching over your shoulder. So you can do those things. So maybe take some of your commute time and do big career building speculative projects and you'll come out ahead. Yeah, I think that I love going back to your first point on kind of pre-planning your week. And I, I know you share either kind of doing that on a Friday or a Sunday night can really be helpful for your productivity during the week. And something our team does that really helps keep me accountable and my team is we send like a commercial report that outlines the week's activity that just happened and kind of tracks that, but also what is coming for the following week and the month to come. And we update it every Thursday, but we kind of review it on a Friday. And it makes me feel so organized going into Monday because it doesn't feel like, where am I starting? Where am I beginning? And I feel confident that the team also knows hey, these are our major action items for the week. This is, oh, this didn't, this contract didn't get executed. We need to follow up on that. Whereas sometimes we can, if we don't pre-plan for our week, like you so emphasize how the importance of that, you can kind of go into Monday feeling a little bit like, okay, where are we? I forgot or just a little bit disorganized. Yeah, planning is so important. And I know not everyone loves to plan. I'm certainly not saying plan every minute. I think that's a real false impression. You can have very rough ideas of when exactly things will happen. And you can leave lots of unstructured time too. But knowing what is important for you to get through in the next week and having a rough outline of how you will get there, like vastly increases the chances that you make progress on the things that are important. I mean, otherwise, you're just being reactive. And it may feel productive to sit there at your inbox and just deal with everything as it comes in. But it usually really isn't. I also love your message so much because for me, what I have found is as my life has become what most people would perceive as busier, I I don't always love the word busy, but I do juggle a lot. And as my family has grown and my career has grown, I found though that you emphasize that it doesn't mean that you are less productive at work. You just get more efficient and you figure out little strategies. And I like to think it's like comparing when you're a first-time parent. There's a lot of things I did as a first-time parent that I don't do now. And I'm expecting my sixth. I'm not going to do. I spent way too much time. I was learning. I didn't know. And I just think you're such a, a great message of, hey, 
no, you can do this. And no matter how busy you are, you can figure this out. So I so appreciate that. So something I'd love for you to touch on that I get asked a lot is, do you find there is more women than men who think they need to go part-time as their schedule is feeling busier or more weighed down. And I, I know this is maybe more attributed to moms, but I have a lot of moms who will say, Bet, do you ever consider going part-time? And I love how you focus on that women, we need to really, really think long and hard before we're quick to decide we want to go part-time. So can you share a little bit about what you discuss and I know how she does it and your decision to possibly go part-time? Yeah, I think in many ways, going part-time in work is seen as like the best of both worlds, but in many cases, it is not. To explain this, I mean, first, let's, let's just look at hours in a week. Most people work fewer hours than they think they do, and the more hours people think they are working, the more off they are. Like many organizations that claim people are working like 60 plus hours a week, they're not. Even a very big full-time job can wind up often really clocking in on average somewhere between 40 and 50 hours a week. So a lot of these part-time arrangements are more like 35 hours a week. I'm like, well, okay, that was quite a big cut to only get a few hours actually back. The other thing is that there are a lot of hours in the week. Let's say you are working 45 hours a week. If you are sleeping eight hours a night, that leaves 67 hours for other things. I am not sure what exactly you can achieve in terms of work-life balance in, I don't know, let's, let's say 82 hours a week that you didn't achieve in 67. Like what was it in those extra 15 hours that was impossible to do in 67? Sometimes it's about structuring your work differently because I understand that sometimes people are like, well, I want to do things with my kids during the day, during the week. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand why Saturday and Sunday never count as real days, but, but whatever. We have this idea that to be a good mother, you need to be able to do stuff with your kid at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. All right. If that is what you want, then what you want is flexible hours because maybe you don't care if you are working from 12 to 8 some Tuesday so that you can go do something at 10 a.m. Maybe that would actually be fine. Or maybe you're willing to do two hours early in the morning some other day in order to be able to do something at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. You want flexibility. It's not usually about the actual hours itself. And, and unfortunately, going part-time is a really good way to not be considered for promotions, to see your pay go way down in terms of the long-term outcome of it as lots of, you tend to get bigger raises if you are being considered for bigger jobs. And if you're not exactly getting the meaningful amount of time back that you thought you might, then it's not a huge win. I was at that decision point. I was I had just had my fourth and life felt trying to figure out kind of my work-life balance. And that was when I decided to shift my schedule to the earlier time. And like you said, I was looking for flexibility. I I really wouldn't have achieved, I think, what I wanted by going part-time. And I also emphasize to a lot of moms and women that Make sure you realize some of the sacrifices you're making by going part-time now because my hope is that by pushing my career hard now, maybe I'll have more and more flexibility as time goes on, whereas if I would have taken part-time, I might not have the flexibility I have today because of of my work 
life balance. So it's just really um, interesting to hear that. And I hear that especially right now with moms because they're feeling stressed with the fact that virtual schooling might be required. They're feeling stressed about how are they going to manage all of this? And they're like, well, I guess I might have to go part-time. And and I realize that's a whole nother discussion with quarantine. But I really want to encourage our listeners that don't be too quick to go part-time. If you've negotiated something you're truly pleased with, I had a friend that negotiated her exact same salary pretty much and her exact same benefits and and she's part-time. Okay, great. Perfect. Wonderful. But for many of us, going part-time too quickly in our career doesn't really achieve what we really want. And Laura mentions, it's really we want flexibility. So I love that. Well, Laura, to kind of sum up everything, I really wanted to share my favorite quote thus far in your book, The New Corner Office, is the smartest leaders are recognizing that structuring work to be more flexible in terms of time and place isn't about work-life balance. The wisest professionals are recognizing that remote and flexible work styles can be a huge strategic advantage for those bold enough to seize them. Laura, to end today's interview, what is your last piece of bold advice for our listeners trying to thrive in their new corner office? Well, really take some time and think about what you want your life and your time to look like. I mean, you can sketch out what I call a realistic ideal week. What would a really, really good week when you are at your best, that you are your best self, what would it look like? And not just, you know, I want to do these three things, but hour by hour, like when are you waking up? When are you exercising, reading, eating, working, hanging out with your kids, sleeping, like all these things. Make a list, you know, make an actual calendar with all this on it. And then you can start to say, well, how can I make this happen? What of this is most doable? Where am I close? Where am I far away? What tweaks could get me nearer to this? And nothing will be perfect. Like it's important not to get discouraged on days when things don't go as planned. But in the long run, with the flexibility of working from home, you can, in fact, achieve a lot of this realistic ideal schedule. Life will not always be like this. Like We are at a bit of a low, I think, in many ways right now. I'm not saying it couldn't go lower, but in general, when things are low, they tend to go up. So let's hope for that, because if we're surviving now, then that means we'll be positioned to thrive in the future. So Laura, if people want to find out more information about you and your books and your journey, where do they find you? They can come visit me at my website, which is lauravandercam.com, just my name. Um, There's information about all my books, including The New Corner Office and my podcasts as well. Laura, thank you for helping us navigate boldly in The New Corner Office. We wish you and your new book all the success in the world. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening today. For more information, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.